Hello, welcome to another episode of Beyond Busy, the show where we talk productivity, work-life balance and defining happiness and success. My name is Graham Alcott, I'm your host for the show and on this episode it's me, it's me talking to Lawrence and Carlos from the Happy Startup School. Um, Really uh, fun conversation to have. Uh, They're so thoughtful and grounded as uh, people that I think they just bring the best out in their guests by um, uh, just bringing a really nice energy to things. So yeah, really loved it, really had a great time on there. And um, yeah, I think we had just over 100 people tuning in live to it. And um, we thought we'd just put it out as a podcast as well, because it just, you know, seemed like a really good conversation to have right now. Um, so just before we get into it, just to say, I hope you're well. Um, we it's The whole conversation really is all about productivity in a pandemic. And it talks a lot about some of the work-life balance and um, definitions of success, uh, you know, um, viewpoints within that too. So it's very much on brand for Beyond Busy, this whole conversation. But it's really, you know, steeped in this weird, fuzzy middle grounds that we now find ourselves in so you know lockdown rules are clear everyone knows what they're doing everyone knows what they're not allowed to do and in some ways I find this current environment just like even more confusing because it just feels like what are we allowed to do again what's what are the rules so if you're struggling with that just know you're not alone and it's um at least some tentative steps towards you know some kind of economic normality that we might be returning to who knows um just taking it a day a week and you know uh, baby steps um at a time at the moment so that's just the sort of nature of things but uh hope you are well hope you're surviving hope everyone you know is uh is okay too A couple of quick things before we go into the episode. Firstly, just to say, if you're listening to this because you are a regular, long time, beyond busy listener and you don't know about my mailing list, then I have been setting up this mailing list over the last five, six weeks. It's called Rev Up for the Week. And the idea is just to put some positive ideas in your inbox every Sunday night and just rev you up for the week. Get you ready for the week ahead. So um, if you're not signed up, just go to grahamalcott.com. And on the homepage there, you'll see a little form. In fact, I think it's pretty much at the bottom of every page on the site. So just fill that in and that will add you on to the mailing list. And then you'll get my rev up for the week emails. Um, And also just to say that this episode is sponsored by Think Productive. So that's my company and we run productivity workshops, both face to face in normal times and also completely 100% virtually too. So if you're interested in that, we have offices in the UK, um, in North America, Western Europe, based out of the Netherlands and Australia and New Zealand. So if you are in or somewhere near one of those countries around the world, uh, then head to thinkproductive.com and find out more about how our stuff can really help. Uh, We've got a couple of really specific uh, COVID workshops. So we've got one called the Productivity Ninja's Guide to Working from Home. We have one called Leading Remote Teams, uh, which has actually been our probably most popular one over the last month or so, where people are really starting to get their head around what's the longer term uh, remote working environment going to look like. 
Uh, and also one called Supercharge Your Virtual Meetings. So if any of that interests you, along with, of course, how to be a productivity ninja, getting your inbox to zero, all that other stuff that we do, uh, then head to thinkproductive.com. And we would love to help you out. Um, let's get into this episode. So this is, we're using Crowdcast for this, which is not a software that I've used before, but it works really well. Um, it's a Friday lunchtime, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So let's jump straight in. It's myself with Lawrence and Carlos from the Happy Startup School. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you are, uh, whether you are watching this live today on Crowdcast. Thank you very much and welcome uh, today. Uh, or if you're listening to this on the podcast, I hope you're... Um, hope you're in a different place to where we are now <laughs> in this uh, in this chaos that we're finding ourselves in today we are joined by our good friend uh, graham orcott um hi graham hi how are you i'm good thank you awesome and of course as always uh my sidekick i want to call you today lawrence <laughs> your business other half thank you <laughs> good love. uh as with all of these calls, it'd be nice to have a, a bit of a check-in to start off with and then just say how you're feeling and, and how your day has been so far. Um, Graham, how about you? Well, uh, this morning I pressed send on um, a book that I've been working on. So <laughs> Another one? Uh, well, it's kind of, yeah, yes, another one, but also it's one that's been hanging around for a while. So um, I've been writing this book with... One of my colleagues, um, Hayley Watts, is called How to Fix Meetings. And, of course, when the pandemic hit, my publishers came back after the second draft saying, hey, can we put loads of stuff in about Zoom? And <laughs> Which isn't really the, the point of the book is all about how meetings are one of the last spaces yeah. for people to share attention. And um, I, I fundamentally believe that that is better done face to face so i kind of fought them a bit on that but anyway um after spending far too long on a book it's um it's back with my editor and um feeling free and relieved and <laughs> happy about it so yeah i'm a bit tired too but that's where i am oh i love the idea of feeling free and relieved <laughs> <laughs> how about you lawrence um i'm good a bit a bit muggy <laughs> It's a bit muggy in Brighton today. Actually, we talked about the sea mist has just rolled in off the sea um, after a scorching day or night last night. Um, but yeah, I had a busy morning. I gave a talk to an Indian startup, tech startup conference this morning, which was interesting, in between an oil baron and a VC. So uh, <laughs> definitely counter uh, counterculture, let's say, talking about making happiness your business model. But no, it was good. I bet you had the best slides. Um <laughs> They were really sexy. <laughs> By far. Like out of those it, three, right? <laughs> it does remind me of where when we were in um in India in Chennai oh, for God, that, that whole yeah. What was the name of the conference? It was uh CII who were like the main I don't know, like Chambers of Commerce of India, but like huge, big you know, everything from big business to small business a network. And it was their annual conference in Chennai. A friend of ours invited us along and I think that's just for, fair to say, like put us in it by giving us an hour to fill with like 500 suited businessmen at sort of uh, wedding tables. <laughs> and we were the least smart people there by a mile. <laughs> we did have uh, Jack Hubbard uh, yeah. do a rap. Yeah, at least. That, was, that was pretty cringy. <laughs> Imagine that. 
500 people in suits waiting for someone to give them nuggets of wisdom on how to do startup <laughs> and what you get is a wrap <laughs> but that's the way we roll um yeah I, similar to, to you lawrence i am feeling very muggy the, the heat is i'm really not enjoying this heat when it comes to sleeping and especially when you have a like one of those tempura type uh, mattresses just soaks up the heat like, I, just, I just wanted to have some kind of ice bath going on instead of that but so they're feeling a little bit tired um, it would be lovely to hear how everyone else is feeling so um, please type into the chat whether you're feeling energized excited tired muggy um, and also it'd be if you want to if you feel like uh, if you're happy to that it's a good place to connect with other people who, who for us Everything that we do is about creating shared spaces, ultimately creating safe spaces to, to connect with like-minded people. So if you'd like to share maybe your Twitter profile, LinkedIn profile, um, Instagram, but so people can get a feel for who else is watching, um, feel free to do that as well. Um, so, yeah, today we're talking about uh, productivity during a pandemic. Um, and ironically, I think I've been feeling the least productive over the past three months than I ever have been. Um, so, uh, so yeah, how has your experience been, Graham, over the past three months? You've just written a book, so on one hand, I'll, I hate you <laughs> for being so productive. But has how have your productivity levels been like? I think, I mean, here's, I think maybe the good news is that even even the productivity ninja has struggled um, during the pandemic. So like I write books about this stuff, right? Um, and actually, um, I think it's been really up and down. And I think um, what I've noticed a lot is people, you know, people sort of who follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn and places, uh, talking quite a lot about the guilt that they feel about not being productive at certain points or feeling fearful about whether they're working on the right things. Um, and I think so much about productivity always comes down to fear and guilt. Um, they're very uh, pervasive, um, you know, lizard brain emotions um, that we, that we feel quite a lot. So, you know, for me, it's, it's definitely been very up and down um, like it has for lots of people. Um, I was just thinking about this before. It's no coincidence that I've really felt the last two weeks have been my most productive for a good while. And they've coincided with, I think, just a general sense, rightly or wrongly, politically, leave that to one side, in the country that kind of we're easing out of lockdown. That sense seems to be there. Um, and also it's coincided with the two weeks where my little boy is at school basically full time. right? <laughs> so... You know, I, I just think that's no coincidence, is it? And um, I think when, uh, I mean, it's very easy to see the time suck and the time pressures around homeschooling or home facilitating some learning or home ignoring homeschooling, depending on what you're doing. Um, but I think what's maybe less obvious to see is the, you know, just the mental load and stress that is caused by a period of huge uncertainty and I think, you know, we've had to adapt and change a lot um, just in everyday habits and behaviours. And again, I think it can be very easy to overlook the, the stressful effect that that has on the mind. Um, 
And therefore, it's really understandable that there's just less of our attention, less of our emotion, less of our energy left um, to do really good, productive, interesting, clear work. I just think that's, mm. that's the truth, right? And I think um, for me, that's a really good place to start this conversation because I feel like the alternative, which is to say, hey, I'm going to use the time in lockdown to learn the violin and, you know, read philosophy and, you know, all that stuff that people were particularly sort of spouting on Instagram in the first sort of three or four weeks of this thing, um, I think, again, gets us back into um, to guilt and um, mm. feelings of inad in inadequacy very quickly. There's a, I, the, the thing that resonated a lot for me there is this, um, that feeling of uncertainty, um, and so you suddenly everything stopped. And so there's this thing, oh, well, maybe we don't need to do anything. But then if you couple that with uncertainty, all that nothingness just gets filled in with fear. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, what's going to happen next? Um, uh, well, that's my assumption with, with maybe some people who just who, who are very used to being busy. How about you, Lawrence? What, what, how, what's your reflection on, on sort of like dealing with productivity over these past few months? <clears throat> Yeah, like Graham, I think I, at first it felt like there'd be a lot of time, expansive time because like, well, we had some stuff to sort out beginning, like uh, cancelling our events. So there's lots of practical things we had to do, which actually made us more busy with kids at home, which felt quite stressful. Um, and then thinking about what does work look like, business look like for the rest of the year, and whilst trying to navigate uh, an online program of founders who are also going through the same transitions or questions. Um, but then I kind of found peace with it really i think it's for me it's more i've always liked the idea of working less but being more efficient with my time and so in some ways um i remember this when the kids were young uh, or when i got a puppy a couple of years ago which sounds strange but having to look after something else or having less time to focus on work actually meant mm. you have to be more um i don't know prioritize your work better and actually hopefully i wouldn't say i've been more productive, but maybe be more effective in the time I have worked. And, and then accepting, like Graham said, that some things just slip and that's fine. And, and uh, you know, realized that actually, no, I'm not gonna have more time because I've got two kids at home and my wife's working at home and we're bumping into each other around the house. And um, and I've got to look after my mum around the corner and the neighbor. And, and so it's like, ah, uh, you know, you could spend the whole day sort of helping everyone else. And then actually you've, you've got like an hour to get some work done and you feel bad about it. So I think I probably had about three weeks of it and then realized, yeah, just stop. Like you said, lose the guilt because we're all just trying to do our best, really. Yeah. I'm just noticing Kim's comment in the chat there saying um, uh, lockdown is teaching me to slow down, which I'd say has increased my productivity paradoxically. Mm. And I think both this idea of slow and fast and the sort of the paradox there and also um, just the paradox around time and productivity, I think, are really useful things to mention. So generally, when you have constraint, when you have... Uh, let's say you know that you only have this one hour in the day to do stuff. It will focus the mind to really think about what's your biggest priority. You know, that 80-20 classic kind of productivity idea of the, you know, 20% of what you do is what adds 80% of the value. And so you look for those um, 20%. I did a, an experiment a few years ago. I did this year of extreme productivity experiments. And one of them was called Flipping the 9 to 5, uh, where I worked 5 to 9. And I did it 5 to 9 a.m. for a couple of weeks, which is actually still um, how I've got this book done, actually, in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. It's been a lot of 5 to 9s, but um, just working four hours a day. 
And what I really learned from that was I thought, you know, I'd written a book about productivity. I live and breathe that. I talk to clients about it all the time. But just changing my day from nine to five to five to nine suddenly just made me think, wow, like this stuff that I was allowing into my space and, you know, making space for that actually, um, you know, was a bit less relevant or a bit less useful. And when you've only got four hours, it really focuses you to do the most important work and the best work. Um, so it's it's a weird thing like constraint as long as you've clarified it can be a really um useful tool for productivity and you can kind of see it as a positive rather than a negative but it's about that clarity so it's about saying this is the hour that i've got or these are the two hours i've got and putting boundaries around that putting some deadlines and times around that maybe hand over with your you know other half if you've got kids at home that kind of thing but just having a really strong boundary around that stuff and like i'll work from here to here um, yeah, you'd be amazed at what you can do in two, three, four hours as opposed to having a full day. When someone says productivity, you must get this all the time, that in my head there's an impression that I haven't been productive because I haven't put the hours in, like you said, versus if I look back at the last few months, I actually think in terms of the outcome of the work we've done has actually been very effective, but maybe not been hugely productive in terms of it's not been as many hours put into it, like you said. So do you get that, the whole idea of the the language around it being difficult for some people yeah i think so i think often internally within think productive so we, we're going into companies and and selling workshops on on productivity getting your inbox to zero fixing your meetings um how to be a productivity ninja this kind of stuff and often the conversation that we're having with the person who books us is about productivity and that being linked to better returns better profit like outcomes for the business and then the conversation we have in the room when we're running workshops is much more around um, managing your stress, working smarter, not harder, you know, getting a better balance with the work that you do. So it's kind of like this double-edged sword thing where actually when you when you give people that autonomy and ability to to really look after their own minds and to, to make their own uh, constraints, make their own rules, make their own schedules, all that sort of stuff, um, you tend to just find better outcomes. But of course, what's what that's kicking back against often, particularly in bigger companies, is just this whole presenteeism thing. You know, like you're seen as being successful and efficient if you're sat at your desk. And the ones who get noticed, the ones who send the email at eight o'clock at night saying, hey, who wants to get pizza, guys? You know, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's just nonsense. You know, I think um, there's a lot of talk about um, hustle and sort of hustle culture, the whole Gary V um, sort of cult is built around this idea of work your face off, work a hundred hours a day and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, actually it's a really suboptimal way to work. Like you look at the science of it and the law of diminishing returns kicks in um, pretty quickly. If you're doing a knowledge work job, it's more like 30 hours and 40 hours. So if by sometime on a Thursday morning, you're feeling really tired and fried, you're probably done, you know, <laughs> mentally, emotionally, energetically for the week. And I think, you know, we really need to get back to a conversation around, uh, Lawrence, as you were saying, you know, what's the what's the outcome there? What's the what's the sort of productive thing I want to bring to the world rather than like, have I, you know, put all of those hours into um, to make something happen? Nice. Mm. Uh, so the things that uh, spring up. For me, when you're talking there, there's uh, lastly the last thing you think is real clear intention. What is it I'm trying to create, or what is the purpose of this work that I'm trying to do? Um, and the other aspect there is focus. 
Um, and I'm, I'm curious to hear from people. I'm going to put a quick little poll out to see who's, uh, who's working from home right now. <laughs> so uh, answer that. Um, because one of the challenges, whether you're working from home or not, and I think that I see also with a lot of people in our community, uh, entrepreneurs and startups, is distraction and not being able to focus on a specific piece of work because, oh, there's this other thing and there's this other thing and there's this other thing. Oh, why am I doing the right thing right now? Um, so I hear from you this real need to to be present with the work and to focus on it uh, and how that means you become more effective. Is there anything that you've learned around actually then deciding that this is the right thing to be doing right now and to stop yourself drifting off to, oh, but there's that and there's the social media and there's the marketing and there's this. Uh, yeah, loads. <laughs> so let's think. Um, I think, uh, I mean, one of the things that I learned very early on in my career was um, the Stephen Covey um, story about big rocks, which I think is is just such a useful uh, way to think about your work. So basically, uh, if you think about if you've got uh, big rocks and pebbles and sand and you've got to put it all in the jar, if you want to get everything in, you've got to start with the big rocks and then you fill the, the kind of smaller things in around it. And I, I still kind of think about that um, today and particularly in in my mind, it's like I choose one big rock for the morning and one big rock for the afternoon. Uh, and if I'm doing a, a long day, as I've done a few recently, where it's like I'm doing a kind of five or nine shift and then I'm having an hour off and then I'm doing another morning shift and then an afternoon shift, I'll kind of think about it as being two, maybe three. I think if you've got, if you've written down seven top priorities, you have no priorities, right? So you've got to get really clear about your choices. Um, so that's the first thing. I think the second thing, which is particularly important in times like this, um, is around agility and coming back to those decisions that you've made regularly and in many cases it's about renegotiating your commitments with yourself right so it's like i was going to do this thing and then three weeks later the world's changed and another three weeks later the world's changed again so one of the things i do um, every week and it's it's in the book is um, this idea of the weekly review so i have a i have a checklist for it if you want to find the checklist just go if you just google think productive weekly checklist you'll be able to find um, a couple of examples there but basically the checklist is about um, walking me through what's on my plate, what work I'm doing, what my calendar looks like, uh, looking at my projects list, um, which I think is one of the most underrated and most important pieces of, of productivity infrastructure, if you like. It's not the to-do list, but actually the projects list. Like, what's my list of the bigger outcomes I'm trying to, trying to get to? Um, so I look through that, and I want to make sure I've got at least um a good sense of what the next physical action is that i need to do on any of those projects but also a really good sense of um like how tactically that's going to play out over the weekend leanne's saying yeah yeah similar to the gtd weekly review that's really where i i learned the whole idea of re reviewers from david allen gtd and uh, a lot of people start doing some kind of weekly checklist weekly review process and get three or four weeks into it and then kind of fall out of love with it or stop doing it. Um, and for me, the power is like doing it consecutively, like doing it two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, you know, weeks in a row. What you start to see is you just have a much greater sense of control over what you're doing. Um, and also your, I think the more you do this stuff, 
the easier it gets to become ruthless in your thinking. And what I mean by that is uh, ruthless with screening things out that you don't want to do, ruthless with renegotiating. Even though I said to myself I was going to do this, and maybe I said to some other people I was going to do this, I'm actually going to change my mind on that because it's no longer worth me spending four hours of my time on. So it's those kind of conversations that we have to have regularly with ourselves. And often we don't have those conversations explicitly as part of a process. We have them in the shower or walking the dog or while we're making a cup of tea. And we we half have the thought, but we never quite finish it. And I think having some kind of checklist to be able to focus on with that is a really good way of finishing that thinking. And in my head, there's like, there's a massive difference between doing between doing 90% of that thinking and doing all of it is just like an infinite benefit, right? You've got to get to the end of that thinking in order for it to, to really have an impact. It sounds like there's a discipline to this, um, to do this on a regular basis. Um, and, and my media thought is then making yourself do that. And then while you're trying to do that review thinking, Oh my God, should I be doing something else? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, ah, uh, how's, how's this going to work? Um, is this the right system? <laughs> is this the right system? Is this going to help? Yeah. So this is really interesting in terms of like building up that muscle. I don't know what is, did you find it quite easy for you to just slip into that and have that as a regular practice or did you go through dips of doing it and then stopping and then, and then, yeah, just if someone was trying to struggle to even just have that simple discipline, well, yeah, what has your experience been? Yeah, it reminds me of, because, um, you know, really what that's about is about getting to a, a sort of level of clarity that helps you to manage your own stress and manage your own uncertainty and everything. Because, you know, like part of the nature of work is that you're living with uncertainty all the time, right? Um, and that's something that can be quite difficult to just put down on a Friday and have a weekend. Um, and so being able to live with that uh, sort of constant sense of uncertainty, particularly if you're an entrepreneur as well, right, where you're you're responsible not just for your uncertainty but for everybody else's too, um, what really starts to happen is that once you are doing that regularly and you start to feel a bit more in control of that and you feel more comfortable with like where you're at with that stuff, it just has such a such an amazing kind of stress relieving benefit. Like it's the time in my week where I feel most empowered. I feel most momentum. Uh, I'd feel really good about being able to put that down on a Thursday or Friday. My my weeks tend to finish on a Thursday and then picking it back up again on a Monday. And so it's one of those where like slightly paradoxically, the more you do it, the more you understand the benefit of it and the more you prioritize it. Um, but if you think about it, it's kind of stress relieving benefits then i suppose the way to th think about it is it's a bit like that buddhist saying which is like um you should meditate for half an hour a day except when you're busy then you should meditate for an hour a day um and it's one of those where yeah when you've got when you really feel like up against it and i do this too like i have weeks where it's like okay i'll just i'll, I'll do the checklist next week it's fine um and then suddenly three weeks have gone by and suddenly you start to feel you know, just the fog uh, comes in or you just feel really uncertain about about whether you're making the right choices and stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, sure enough, go back to doing that <laughs> that weekly process and you just instantly feel better at the end of it. So uh, it's one of those that it's very easy to forget how useful it is. Um, and, yeah, a lot of our work is about helping people to, um, to make stick some of those really valuable sort of discipline habits. It's... Um, uh yeah if there was a secret sauce or a kind of special potion you could drink that would make you do that stuff all the time um 
A, I would love it, and I would, <laughs> I would take that pill uh, every day. B, I'd be a bit concerned because I'd sort of be out of a job, right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's kind of a lot of what we do is the fact that this is difficult and people do struggle with it. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's very valuable. The word habit um, sprang out for me very quickly, and it's that thing of the challenge we always have. Human nature is difficult to cultivate new habits, um, and I'm wondering as as to whether doing it as a group can help because I've always heard that, you know, when you're doing a new habit, whether it's the gym or anything new, having that, doing it as a, as a group, as a collective where you hold each other yeah. accountable to it, whether that's something that can help. I don't know if that's something that you've seen people try. Yeah, I have. And also um, just in pairs, just like having a buddy, like a review buddy. Right. Um, and what's really interesting about that is there's something in our psychology to do with, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation where we're really happy to let ourselves down and not do it but we don't want to let someone else down so if we've got you know 11 until one is our have a coffee and review time with a with our buddy we have to show up and be there and we'll show up for that other person and that forces us to then show up for ourselves um yes i think groups it's easier to sneak out of a group if there's 10 of you and suddenly there's nine Mm. and no one notices but um yeah if you've got one buddy and it's like you've got a time that really works well for the two of you to both do it every week i think it's a really valuable way of doing it i think kim just hit the nail on the head there it's like productivity review buddy um she's in so who wants to join kim or if you want to pair up with anyone else uh, you offer out your um and i think the other thing about it uh just in terms of if you're literally going to do that right now and sort of um, <laughs> pick someone out. I think it's really important to do. Um, I think this is a big issue generally, not just with review, but it's really important to make space for quality thinking. Um, so in my experience, doing a review first thing on the Monday morning when everyone else is emailing you isn't a great plan. Um, doing it when you're in the house with kids coming and tapping you on the shoulder isn't a great plan. Right. And so you know, back in the days of people working in offices, I would always say, if there's a day in your week where you're working from home and you're on your own and you have solitude, that's the day to do um, that review process. Or if that's not happening for you, can you go to the coffee shop around the corner? Can you just find a different space to be able to do that? So I think it's it's really important as well as being in the habit of um, doing it regularly is doing it regularly at a time where you have that space for quality thinking. Now, I was wondering from you, Lawrence, your experience of doing this, because, you, you know, knowing you, that you're, you're um, governed a lot also by your energy. So, you know, have, being compelled to do it at a certain time each week uh, doesn't always work for you. Um, yes and no. I think I – oh, it's been different during lockdown as well, I think, because we've had this program we're running, and so we've used Monday morning to catch up with Lana, who's, on a, who's one of the coaches on the program. So that's been really useful because we've had a momentum around that, I think, in terms of a check-in, a weekly check-in to see, you know, what did we learn last week? What, what can we tweak? What will we do differently this week? Um, in terms of putting something in the diary each week, yeah, because I think everything's been in flux so much, I think I found it hard to find that flow yeah. as often as possible. And I think one of the few constants is actually this weekly um, <laughs> webinar, really, which has been great because it's been – a nice place to just have chats like this. And so I found that useful personally. Um, but yeah, I think it's, when I see a full diary, I just feel stressed. I think I'm sure a lot, lots of people. So whilst on the one hand, I like the idea of a rhythm and planning when my diary starts to get really full, I start to get that anxiety feeling. And so um, 
whilst it's not all about my, me following my energy, I think there's something about, like like Graham said, if you get to the point on a Thursday where you're done, then you're done and just walk away from the thing you're trying to do. And, and I've tried to follow that more. In lock, and that was kind of where I was curious. Maybe we can tap onto this uh, at some point in the, right, the conversations around the well-being side of this because mm. I think you highlighted this in your post that led to this call. Was, um, and you wrote the book about, nutrition right um a couple of years ago about how we can eat better to to be more productive and so i'm curious to know about i i know personally when when i'm feeling a lack of energy there's something that tells me i need to take some time out and even if it's just 10 minutes whatever like you said meditate walk whatever it might be and then come back to it fresher with with fresh eyes yeah for sure um so yeah so i mean i, th- yeah. I think food, food's a vital thing so I, I was talking before about my um extreme productivity experiments doing um flipping the nine to five i did another one um which was all about eating the optimum diet um for productivity so looking at foods that particularly fuel the brain um that led on to working with a nutritionist and um doing a lot of reading around the 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 science um uh, as much as it is, there's still a lot that we don't know about how the brain works, but um, a lot of the science around um, different foods and also how we digest different foods. Um, and that's all in a book called Work Fuel, um, which actually we're going to um, we're going to re-release. It was a book that was uh, so there's loads of nutrition books, but there wasn't particularly a nutrition book that was about how to have energy and how to have energy in a busy working environment. So we thought, hey, this is like a huge, um, there's a huge gap in the market here. Is there a market in that gap? Um, Turns out there wasn't really. (laughs) We're actually going to release it again as a more general book around having energy um, and with a little bit less of a productivity slant. And so um, I don't know if that's yet up on Amazon, but it's it's due out in January um, and it's going to be called How to Have the Energy, as simple as that. Um, You can still get the work for you one that's still, if you want to get it now, you can get the... uh, I was about to say, it reminds me of um, when you came to Altitude, you did a workshop, didn't you, about the the sort of key concepts of the book. And then yes. I, I think the yeah. next few weeks afterwards, everyone's sending you pictures of their food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of how it started for me was um, coaching with Colette, the, the co-author of the book. Um, and I would send her, um, you know, pictures of my plates and she would send it back. But one of the main messages that she kept instilling in me that became a main message in the book is the idea of eat the rainbow. So there's a, a whole range of different nutrients that you get from uh, from different colored foods. So having a salad where everything is green, yeah, it's good for you, but it's not actually optimal. Um, so adding in the red tomatoes and the yellow peppers and you know having different colors of things in there, beetroots and carrots and different things like that will really uh, help you to uh, develop the energy around uh, around your work. And the other one that was really big for me, and this gets in, into a little bit kind of um, – you know, certainly this was my personal experience rather than it being um, medical advice, but um, to look for foods uh, that contain tryptophan. So a lot of nuts have tryptophan, avocado has tryptophan, but tryptophan is a very good, um, and turkey if you're a meat eater, um, and various other foods, but it's a, a, a really important um, amino acid that basically um, supports uh, like your body's dealing with stress. So if you're dealing with a lot of stress, a lot of adrenaline and kind of adrenal function um, is really helped by um, eating certain foods. So it's, you know, and that's just one example. There's hundreds of things that you can do um, around that that just turn kind of average meals into really optimal meals um, without the need to do paleo or 
you know, sort of uh, bullet coffees in the morning and all that, all that sort of crazy extreme stuff. There's the good news is you don't need to be extreme with food. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need to be consistent with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely a thing. But I think there's a, there is a more general thing here about energy as well. And I think, you know, I mean, all the science is um, uh, like in terms of exercise that you actually don't need to do that much to get a really big benefit. So just doing 10, 15 minutes, doing a little bit of Joe Wicks in the morning. Uh, I've been doing um, the Joe Wicks uh, hit training long before it was cool. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even just 15 minutes of that, just wakes the brain up and i i really notice that if i'm having a lazy day where i've not done some exercise early on in the day um i really notice that my brain is not quite as engaged and then yeah. the days where it's like i did my 15 minute hit training um early on it's like oh who'd have thunk it again <laughs> it's actually worked so often it's like doing the simple things really consistently and well um can just can really help Mm-hmm. again it comes for me it comes back to that idea of trying to cultivate a habit that is sometimes hard to start you know trying to do some physical exercise in the morning i know a lot of people really struggle with it but over time how that can really just you feel the benefits so mm-hmm. a bit like the the review and the, the morning exercise how how it takes time for that to really kick in nice no, just seen leon's put um high trip to fan foods in the chat mm. which is very handy uh, right there. <laughs> um, and that's right i'd forgotten that eggs are high in trip to mm. uh, i have eggs pretty much every morning um, and that was a big change that working with colette brought about I, I was never someone that was that bothered about breakfast um and again it turns out particularly having protein early in the day mm. um really helps your metabolism um, mm. helps you get the best from the other foods that you're putting in so about you guys but i think food's been one of the few sort of uh highlights of lockdown able <laughs> to enjoy food more and have more time to cook and eat yeah there's a lot of people reporting we we um uh, ebay is one of our clients at, at think productive and um i remember having a conversation with someone at ebay a few years ago saying that everyone has the um the ebay half stone which is basically like when you start working at ebay you get so used to the fact that it's like free smoothies uh, free pastries, free food all day, like, you know, lunch carts coming around with all this amazing food. They just put on half a stone, like, really quickly. Wow. Um, and I think a lot of people are sort of reporting the uh, the lockdown half a stone as well, right? Because you're just next to the fridge all the time. Yeah. We, we, can't, we can't say no. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's the distraction, the potential. I think the majority of people saying, um, we answer the poll, they, they are working from home. And so there's that, that uh, well, distraction of the kitchen, distraction of the kids if you have them, distraction of potentially living in the pl- working in the place that you normally live, yeah. and then seeing that that heap of dishes <laughs> as you're tapping away at the computer. Now that can be a challenge. It was um, a I, well. Like um, I don't know, I've read a lot about, and I certainly struggled with it at the early part of lockdown. Not sleeping as well, and that makes you more tired. And then you probably yeah. need more sugar and start to binge. Yeah, I've had the worst sleeping habits over this past few months. It's, it's. Uh, I think the fact that I don't need to go anywhere, or I used to have a, a, a habit of at least going to the co-working space on a regular basis each week, but because you're at home, you don't need to get changed. <laughs> we don't want to know what you're wearing in your lower half. No one needs to see that. <laughs> I'm doing whole days just from bed. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just get there, put it aside. <laughs> But it adds to this idea that like you're talking about the uncertainty, but also the potential absence of structure uh, unless you're really disciplined. 
I think that can be a big challenge for people. I just want to say, if you have any questions for Graham or anything that pops up, we've already got a question from Kim that we can address in a bit. But if you do have any other questions that pop up for you, no matter how silly you may think they are, um, they'll help us because it's always good filler. But at the same time, this is a great inspiration for the conversation. So please post any question in the Ask a Question feature here on Crowdcast. Um, uh, but yeah, on that, maybe do you want to have a look at this first question from Kim uh, to to sure. see what? Um, so she says, uh, what tips do you have for small business owners, social entrepreneurs who feel the demands of their clients, but want to work sustainably uh, for the business and personally? Yeah, I mean, this maybe is one that I have some good practical um experience with so so think productive uh, my company for the last eight years now maybe even nine years has been working a four-day week so we have throughout that whole time uh like clients have never a lot of clients for, for the first few years we were doing it um it felt it felt like a really daring um thing that was not mainstream uh you know, in any way. So you didn't have like Jacinda Ardern coming out saying, hey, guys, maybe the whole world should work a four-day week. Like it wasn't a mainstream thing that was even on the horizon. So we felt very defensive about it in terms of not telling our story about it and wanting to keep that from clients. But we'd still get emails and phone calls on the Friday when everyone else is working Monday to Thursday. So it's like, how do you still stay, uh, you know, present for clients? And the way we managed to make that work was basically everybody would work one Friday and four. So there was always one person whose job it is to just be that first port of contact, uh, you know, when that's needed, but it just allows everybody else to do a four day week. And then everyone kind of takes turns on it. So that was kind of how we worked with that. And I think, um, you know, if, if by sustainably in that question, part of that is about um, taking some downtime and setting some boundaries around when you're going to get back to people and when you, when you're not, um, it's really worth thinking about as a team, how can you sort of play around with those schedules? And um, we've kind of used, um, uh, we have e email inboxes that are called things like hello at Think Productive, clients, clients at Think Productive. So generally you'll get the same person on it, but it makes it easier for us to then give that inbox to someone else to manage for a day or, you know, to, to sort of transfer the phone to uh, someone else's mobile and that kind of thing. So just using the technology in that way, I think is really helpful. I would also say that I think in the current climate that we're in, I think there's a general lessening of the expectation around that. And so, you know, if you're still feeling that same pressure, um, maybe the good news is when you take a step back, there isn't actually the same expectation from clients that you need to be on 24 seven, you know, depending on what you're doing, if you're, you know, Chris, Chris Whitty's PA doing the science advice or something, yeah, you probably need to be on, uh, 24 seven, but actually in a lot of client work, and we've definitely noticed this, uh, people are giving you more leeway in terms of not getting back to them within the hour or within the day or whatever your, your sort of standard procedures and practices are. So I think there's just, you know, there is a bit of a, an acknowledgement that life and work are more blurred and more difficult and more, uh, in flux than, uh, perhaps they are in sort of normal life. So I think it's just worth taking that into account too. The other one that I think is a really nice, um, little tip and trick is using your uh, using your out of office or using your email signature to just give clients a really good indication of these are my working days or the out of office comes back saying, Hey, I'm out now until Thursday or whatever the, whatever the thing is there is just kind of using that as the way to manage the boundary or even just, 
um, hey, I'm taking the morning to work offline. I'm not going to be on email. I'll be back on email at, at noon or something and setting that up as an out of office just for that three, four hours in the morning. Um, so kind of using the technology a little bit to help you to set those clear boundaries. And as I said before, um, I think uh, boundaries and constraints um, work really well, but only when you're clear. So again, it's like actually defining that rather than saying, oh, I wish people wouldn't call me in the morning. Like actually setting it as these are my times to be online um, makes a difference. In the same way that, you know, if you're dealing with staff, um, you know, one of the things often I, uh, like when I'm coaching people, I'll often talk about is uh, the idea of having surgery hours for your team, right? So it's like, uh, I'm going to do my work in the morning and then two till four, those are my surgery hours. Feel free always to book me in anytime you need um, my time and attention between two and four, like any day, my diary's open. Um, and that open door policy between two and four allows you to have a closed door for some of those other hours. And so again, just uh, putting those things in some kind of boundary and some kind of constraint um, just often allows you to open that stuff up. Well, it feels like with the client side of things, I just remember the agency days when we were working with clients. It, I think it's a lot easier when you set out from the beginning with that arrangement, yeah, yeah. I, I think setting it or changing the way you work when they've had a certain expectation of yeah. your availability can be difficult. Um, I think the other thing was just, for me, the story you tell sounds so important. So there's the practical side of how it works, but then there's why you're doing it and what that means in terms of the effectiveness of, of the the work you create for them. So how you can tell the story that you're actually going to be of better service to them by being less available, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking at Kim's um, comment in there as well, saying, please, can you say something about managing the workload personally uh, when they're seeing, so yeah, clients and team and all that over there. But like, yeah, I've got, I don't feel like I can fit into a seven day week. How can I do it in a four day week? Um, so what I'd say about that is, um, so actually there, there was a survey uh, a couple of years ago, some research around happiness and which com which countries in the world had the best work-life balance and the least amount of stress. And as always in these kind of surveys, um, Denmark came out as the, the top, you know, the Scandinavians are so smug, aren't they? They get everything right. Um, <laughs> And they went to Denmark to interview people and said, you know, why why does Denmark have the best work-life balance and um, the least stress? And um, this guy on the TV news was like, well, it's very simple. If you want to reduce stress, just lower your expectations. Um, and I think that's probably, you know, a really important um, point to sort of talk to Kim's question mm -hmm. there is like, I think we need to really understand that like a productivity ninja is a human and not a superhero, right? Like mm. there's a limit to what we do. There are no special powers. Um, we do have human levels of energy. Um, and, you know, actually the best way to really feed that productivity is to do less, not more. So particularly mm. when you feel under pressure, um, you know, Carlos, you talking about sleep before, but just actually taking that step back and kind of, um, you know, deliberately having some some days where you're doing a bit less will give you the stamina to over a long period of time do more, um, and sort of keep you from burnout. You know, the world the world always needs um, what we do um, for the next twenty or thirty years at like ninety ninety five percent capacity, not mm. the next half a year at one hundred and ten percent capacity and then burnout. Right. So it's yeah. like all these things are a marathon, not a sprint. So I think that's important, and and I think. Again, you know, coming back to what I was talking about before with um, uh, the idea of the weekly checklist, um, one of the most important things about that for me is that it allows you to go through 
your projects and your actions and make sure you've got a really nicely de defined project every time. And then also really clear what are the next physical things I need to do on each of those um, items. And like, I think when you do that really regularly, it makes it much easier uh, to start saying no to more things, to start to recognize where the energy and value is, you know, in and amongst these 30 things I want to do, actually these three are where the money is or these three are where my love is or these three are where people really need my help right now. And so I think, you know, often we don't, uh, we don't spend enough time on that thinking and enough time on that, um, uh, like, you know, real deep thinking around linking the priorities that we see in our projects to our sort of deeper values, wider purpose, uh, you know, uh, company value, whatever, whatever we're trying to create. And so I think the more we do that, um, the easier it is to say no to some of those things. A thing that also I think springs up for me at a deeper level is giving yourself permission to let people down. Um, my Take, well, my experience of this is always wanting to make sure everyone's happy and you, you know, you do your best work for everyone uh, and how that can really stop you from not doing because you don't want to feel like you're letting people down. So there's, and this, I think for me is quite a fundamental thing and quite one of the most challenging things uh, I believe is just saying, okay, I'm going to screw up here or I'm going to miss that email or I'm not going to be able to deliver on that time frame, and not, because I'm lazy or I'm not um, diligent, it's just I'm going to have to let something go. One plate is just going to have to fall at some point and yeah. then not being, beating myself up about it. And so, more often than not, it doesn't end up being the disaster I thought it was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, so fail faster, right? So if there's 50 things, rather than trying to think that you're going to get to 50 things, recognize which are the two or three that you need to drop or the five or 10 that you need to drop. Um, and get comfortable with that. I think a big part of, if you're going to manage your attention um, really ruthlessly, and what I, what I mean by that is deliberately being ignorant to certain things, whether that's turning off email, whether it's uh, putting phone blockers on your phone. I use a thing on my phone called Quality Time, which is an app on Android. Um, there's uh, similar ones for iPhone, like Freedom, uh, Off Time. And what those uh, apps will do is block certain parts of your phone. So it blocks, for me, Instagram, Twitter, Google Chrome. All that stuff is blocked for certain times of the day. What that means is I am going to miss some app replies on Twitter or some messages on LinkedIn, or I'm going to miss a load of stuff where people are like, you know, maybe people really want a response in the next hour. Like I didn't look at LinkedIn over the last hour before this call, and I put a thing out there saying, uh, hey, I'm doing this crowdcast thing with happy startups like get involved. If anyone replied saying, oh, where's the link? I didn't see that. Um, so there'll be small things where we need to... Uh... We'll be having words about that, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually about an hour before I sent the link to someone, but then I turn it off, right? And it's the same with email. And there was actually this week is a really interesting uh, thing with that where I uh, I've basically kept my inbox at zero all week. But my action folder, the things I still need to get back to people on, has been slowly creeping up as I've been doing this book. Um, and I've deliberately just spent as little time on email this week as I can possibly get away with because my brain and my attention needs to be on a book. And um, I don't know, those of you in the in the chat and on the call who've, who've written books, you'll know that like a book is one of the very few things where you can't really put it all down on paper like a to-do list. Like you have to sort of carry it in your head in a weird way. 
And it just means that your head just has no space for anything else. And so I think that's really true of like anything of like real value in the world. You've got to have a deep level of attention to it. You know, Cal Newport uses this phrase, the deep work. Um, and you've got to really um, screen out a lot of that noise and stuff. And so, you know, the art of letting small bad things happen, I think, is a really important part of productivity. And the art of fading faster um, is a really imp- important part of it. And um, uh, I think Tim Ferriss calls it um, uh, having a low information diet Mm-hmm. and selective ignorance you know i think these are really important um phrases as we think about how we manage our mm-hmm. attention because it's our attention that really counts not our time right and it's how we manage our attention that matters i like the idea of uh, make time but they talk about infinity pool apps <laughs> the idea of these apps are just like you know always on and there's always more data and yeah. information to swallow yeah um, i uh there's that i think the thing is two things that's um to come to mind is there's the attention so have that focused attention to do the thing that you're doing at the moment. Uh, and then the intention that these are the important things. And when you're talking about the rocks yeah. in that yard, these, and so everything else, even if it is important to someone else, unfortunately is not part of my intention. And so I, I being able to then drop those things and not put them in the jar because they're not within the, the direction I want to go. And I feel that's another fundamental thing I feel particularly with the people we work with is with less intention, you have less attention because you're not sure what to say no to anymore because you're so, you want to fit everything in. So a difficult one to, yeah. to deal with, but I think a fundamental one. I think it's almost like um, a taboo. Like it's a bit, um, it's almost it's put on the same level as hypocrisy, right? <laughs> um, like hypocrisy is often the worst thing someone in public life can be or a politician can be or a manager can be right um but right up there with hypocrisy is the idea that i said i was going to do this and now i'm no longer going to do this um and i think if you've got a good reason why the world has changed my priorities have changed my my intention is not that um i think we need to get much more comfortable with that idea um and do that on a much more regular basis and um uh, in fact, I know you guys from uh, a few years ago when you had your shared space and you just decided we're no longer going to have this co-working space. Like that was our thing before. We really mm-hmm. believed in it and now we no longer believe in it. Like mm-hmm. I think we need to get much um, more comfortable with the idea of saying no to things that we previously had said yes to. Yeah. Well, it links to a previous conversation about closing well with Tom mm-hmm. Nixon mm-hmm. and how uh yeah when something has no more creative energy yeah i really love that (laughs) conversation with tom (laughs) okay i have another question here uh from alex um would you have any advice about how to remain productive when your workload is quieter than usual during the pandemic my usual work has definitely slowed down and i found it difficult to remain productive um well that sounds like great news doesn't it <laughs> like <laughs> means it's uh, probably an easier game to win um so you can look at it on that surface level but i think in all seriousness i think um you know for for a lot of people um they've they've gone through the opposite of that right where it's like my workload is just now uh you know it's trebled and i've got kids at home to teach and all this kind of stuff um and actually i think it's just as much of a problem if suddenly it feels like there's just much less work to do. Like, how do I, how do I, you know, keep myself 
um, in a good momentum and a good rhythm and all that sort of stuff. Um, so there's Parkinson's law, which says work expands to fill the time available. Um, and I would suggest that if your workload's gone down, you need to be really mindful of Parkinson's law. Um, I would say that with that, there are kind of two options. One is you fill more of that, you know, you keep trying to work at the same kind of momentum and then you have two choices. You either fill more of that space with leisure, uh, sitting in the park, uh, you know, social distancing, seeing friends or whatever. Um, or you ask yourself a different question, which is like, are there other projects that I can now use to fill that gap? So maybe that's professional development stuff. Um, I know um, training is still permissible to everybody, even if you're on furlough. Um, so, and there's so much of it out there at the moment in terms of free resources and stuff. Um, we've got a few of our own, which I'll, I'll mention in a few minutes. But, um, you know, I think just filling that with, may, and maybe with more uh, creative or explorative um Explorative is that word? Um, exploration projects, right? Where it's like actually, I get to experiment with um, maybe this new product that we might try and create, or at least doing some research around that new product that I was thinking about, or whatever those things are. Um, so, you know, I think there's a sort of sense of um, either being proactive with how do I temporarily kind of fill that. Uh, gap with more meaningful, useful stuff that I can put out into the world, or you do the opposite, which is to create more of a constraint and say, I'm still going to work at full pelt. I'm just going to do it for a few hours and have a better balance temporarily. Um, and I think both are fine, like, mm -hmm. but I'd say both are, are better than um, just uh, succumbing to Parkinson's law and stretching out um, the work in a really unsatisfactory way and then beating yourself up about it. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts, Lawrence? I was just to say that Parkinson's law really hits hope for me is it when the days when you haven't got much on, it's easy to fill it with crap. <laughs> um, so it's a really good challenge, I think, with anything that you're working on is set out. So there's the planning fallacy, right, where psychologically people always underestimate um, how long things are going to take. Mm. But if you do that estimation at the beginning and let's say you're working on a, a piece of writing or something that you think is going to take two hours, um, like playing around with that and saying, what would this look like if I did it in 30 minutes? And yeah. just really messing with your own brain around that. Like often Parkinson's law works in reverse, you know? So if you, if you only give yourself 30 minutes, you will produce something half decent in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so just playing with it like that. A good example of that is the talk I gave this morning. I was planning on spending yesterday afternoon on it and life got in the way. Yeah. Ended up spending an hour on it this morning. And I think actually probably got a more effective outcome, um, but like you said, that just focus the mind of like what, rather than oh, I could do this or I could do that. It's like okay, I've got I haven't got time to think. Just just do, and and sometimes that pays dividends. Not always. I think there's um there's like two two different types of work. I feel we're talking about. There's this idea of productive work, things that feel like they're going to deliver value immediately. Uh, and I my what I hear from Alex's question from my perspective is that. Um, I've got less work. I need to work on what I have got better, but for some reason that's not happening. And there's an energy thing, uh, an emotion thing, fear about, oh, I don't have enough work. And so I'm defocused. I don't have the attention. Uh, and so I'm not, I'm not getting these things done as quickly as you, as I should do. Um, and maybe there's something around, okay, if I was, if I knew I could use this time to find more clients or market myself yeah. better or something, there was that real strong intention. 
maybe you could fill that time or structure it better. But then the other aspect of this is the idea of creative work where you do need to just essentially fill it with, like you said, thinking about it and and not necessarily creating straight away, but having that space to wander and and to just drift. But it's still intentionally doing that rather than in between washing the dishes or looking after the kids. You like spending a time doing that. So I wonder if there's something around not only thinking about productive work, but how can you introduce some creative space as well? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that often is the first podcast question I get asked is always, what's your definition of productivity? Uh, you guys didn't ask me that, which I'm very grateful <laughs> for. Um, but, usually, you know, over the years, I've sort of had different ones. But the one I always use now is that productivity is ultimately about making space for what matters. And if you think about where all the best ideas you've ever had come from, they probably didn't come when you were sat at your desk doing emails. Um, they probably came in the shower or when you were walking in the woods or, uh, you know, someplace else. So I think, may, you know, maybe there's something again where, and I, I certainly feel this a lot, is like feeling guilty um, for the idea of once I've created that space, actually using it to go for a walk or have some downtime uh, and get inspiration. And like, because this is going to sound really pretentious now. Um, but because I'm, a big really part, in uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm in Brighton after all, uh, because a big part of my work is about creating, writing, um, you know, books, courses, all this sort of stuff. Um, a couple of times a year, I have to remind myself of that. And I'm not very good at um, following it through, but I always write a couple of times a year. I write in my, um, in my Nosby, my to-do list manager, um, your job is to go for a walk in the woods. And, you know, seeing it in that way that like actually what's going to help me generate ideas and solve problems and recognize the thing that's stuck in my business or whatever those things are, you know, that's going to unhook and uh, reveal itself like when I go for a walk in the woods and when I'm consciously uh, not putting my attention onto emails and social media and like all that frenetic stuff. Um, and as I say, I'm not particularly great at um once I've created that space, actually using it for those <laughs> useful things. But I think it's a really good, that's, that's one of those things that I'm always working on is, um, you know, trying to use that space in the way that um, leads to the, the bigger inspirations. One thing that springs to mind about if you do have that space and, and you want to fill it, uh, one of the things that I've experienced through the work that we're doing is connecting with others. If you can get a chance to just have a conversation or be part of a group and just even that talking around ideas or, or even challenges like this, having a space like this where you think oh, I'm struggling with this or this is a bit difficult, then we can all get too busy, particularly now in lockdown, in our own little bubbles, trying to make things happen on our own and forgetting that just reaching out, having a conversation between one or two other people, we found that over and over again how that just shifts the energy and you just see things you didn't see before yeah so and that's productive and that can help uh we have another couple of questions before we kick off and uh, finish off we've got um leanne here she says 
Uh, clearly, most companies will now let their teams have the choice to continue working from home, probably as part of a hybrid mix with the office and third spaces. Are you seeing an uplift in employers wanting to train their teams in productivity as being remote? Uh, mean as being remote means more trust is needed, and the focus should be less on hours worked and more on outcomes delivered. Is is there a shift to come? I think the shift's happening. Um, we we launched a new workshop a few weeks ago called Leading Remote Teams um, to sort of respond to that demand that we were seeing. Um, and yeah, getting great uh, feedback from people, which to me says that it is scratching an itch, like people are definitely thinking about that. I think for me, the shift that is maybe more, I think, I think we'll go back very quickly to uh, a sort of hybrid model where I do think there'll be more working from home than, than there was before the pandemic, but there'll be nowhere near the level of working from home that um, certainly that there is now. There are a few companies, I think, in quite a forward thinking way. I saw a charity yesterday saying, hey, we're going to get rid of our London office and just everybody be remote. Um, but I think there'll be, um, from what I'm seeing, there'll be the exceptions rather than what everyone will do. I think most people will still have big offices and stuff. I think the bigger shift that is more difficult is uh, removing that presenteeism, um, which for me is is always about trust and autonomy. So there's kind of two ways that you manage people, right? One is you you sort of keep an eye on them and like just keep walking into the room and just uh, make sure they're still at their desks and uh, make sure that you don't see Facebook on their computer or whatever. Um, and the other way that you manage people is you give them the outcomes that you want to deliver. Um, you coach them, you invest in them, and then you let them get out of the way and let them get the hell on with it, right? Um, and that level of autonomy and trust is uncomfortable for people. Um, so I think we're, I mean, there was a thing I saw a couple of weeks ago where there's a company developing software that will basically track people as they're working at their desks. I think it's the worst <laughs> just absolutely the worst um and i think you know one of the one of the real hidden uh you know unexpected positive outcomes of this whole pandemic situation is the amount of of teams and the amount of employers who are uh who've let everyone work from home which was banned before or not allowed in that level before and it turns out that they've got on with it and done their work like if you trust people um, you know, then actually, um, generally, people are good, and generally, people mm. will be motivated and, and do good work. And so, I think, you know, for me, um, I think there is still there's a big shift in a lot of people's minds around that that whole kind of. Uh, but have they done their hours? You know, all that sort of um, like monitoring of, of people mm. and sort of counting of hours, especially when at the other extreme, you've got you know, people working in Amazon warehouses wearing nappies because they're not they're not allowed to clock the three minutes it would take to go to the toilet and stuff. You know, it's um that stuff is still serious and real and exists. Um hmm. and yeah, I I just think that will be the the ultimate test is if we can kind of really as a society start to um trust people to do work in a much more autonomous way. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean that's how we've run Think Productive for years, you know, people sort of working in different parts of the country home offices we have had a central space but we've had a lot of people remote i even when we had a central space was in the office like you know a day a month if that um and yeah i think it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out over the next few months it reminds me of years ago the um 
when lastminute.com came out and travel company online, I think they were the first online travel company and they used to have a button for the bosses coming and it would bring up like a spreadsheet or a kind of pie chart to make it look like you're busy. Yeah. You can't yeah. be booking holidays at work. That's just outrageous. Uh, I think Leanne mentions then is, is she says it's all about, all, all about culture in a way. Uh, yeah. And I, and leadership. I, and, and leadership. Well, I, I wanted to acknowledge like, you know, I rem- when we were running an agency, um, we wanted to give people as much freedom as possible and autonomy to, to get their work done. I uh, just wanted to acknowledge it isn't as simple as well because there's that pressure as a founder, as a leader. You've got uh, revenue to generate. You've got this cash flow you're trying to manage. And so there's this real tension yeah. where you think, are they doing the work they need to do? Because we need to get that money in because if yeah. we don't get that money in. So uh, it really that's why when Leanne said it's, it's about culture, it really is about yeah. the ethos you're creating. And as a founder, as a leader – where your attention is and and where that that fear is and and so yeah i totally feel i believe i would have loved i love the idea of giving people much more autonomy and freedom to do that um but there's the acknowledging also the the pressures of work i can understand why that can be difficult for some people so you know one of the things we say on that leading remote teams workshop is that basically culture uh comes from physical spaces um, but it also comes from leadership. And so how you set the, the the culture in terms of the team dynamic, the culture in terms of how often you meet, how you meet, um, you know, what uh, numbers you're, you know, particularly keeping an eye on and trying to grip, you know, all those kind of really key elements of running a team. Um, you can do that without physical space, but but they do need to be there, right? And also like digital spaces can be really, um, useful for setting culture you know think productive uses slack um and just those little um uh little you know celebratory emojis and smiley faces and hearts and stuff like can actually really add a very rich layer of sort of human interaction to culture even when people are not even seeing each other face to face i'm gonna see let's, i'm gonna go to uh, questions and answers box zero and have the last question to answer here uh we it's from laura and she asks how can you build up or boost your attention span i feel like mine's declined a great deal over lockdown because i've been split screening too much so maybe some quick tips on that before we go yeah so there's there's two things about that one is um the the natural energy that you have in the brain so we talked before about food exercise fresh air sleep um trying not to have alcohol the night before that sort of stuff um you'll just generally have more energy i'm a big fan i love a evening beer so i'm a big fan of um the brew dog uh nanny state beer and stuff like that so i can have my my beer ritual but it's like naught percent um so i still sleep because you basically you sleep much worse if you if you have alcohol um that said you know there are days <laughs> there are days where the beer is okay but um yeah so so one is about just the general energy that you um allow your brain to uh, be creating by via food and exercise and everything else on the other side of it it's then what do you put that attention to and what do you screen out of that and so i think things like phone blocker apps um the idea of monotasking rather than multitasking so taking all the bits of paper that relate to something else off your desk closing all the windows that you're not working on um, you know, really a lot of you, if you're feeling like you can't focus, um, look at how many 50 things you have surrounding you that are not related to the thing you're working on. Um, get rid of 49 of them 
uh, you might find that you can focus a lot more, right? So often this is um, environmental and, and it's about the psyche of how we approach attention management rather than necessarily about, oh, my brain just isn't working. Like usually there's this stuff that you can do that will really help. Hmm. On top of that, for me, uh, I found really, really useful just being very, uh, just time boxing. I know there's the Pomodoro technique, but I've, one of the things that always gets me with my attention is like, I've got to do this thing and do that thing. And if I spend too much time on this thing, I won't get those other things done. So if I could say, all right, I'm going to do just this for 25 minutes. Yeah. And I know that's all I'm going to do. And I will have time for other stuff. Inevitably, what happens at the end of 25 minutes, I want to do some more and some more. And I'm focused. I, I get into that zone, but it's that initial bit of, again, not enough intention or there's too many other things I'm thinking about that stops me narrowing down the focus. Hmm. So I found that really useful. All about momentum, right? Like if you, yeah. if you just create momentum, then momentum feeds itself. Like I think yeah. uh, in terms of like momentum and motivation, I, f I feel like with uh, certainly with my work, I'm either on a spiral up or I'm on a spiral down. Like there's no standing still. <laughs> um, so if you can push that momentum and just, you know, all those things like, tricking yourselves but tricking yourself by saying i'm just going to do the first 20 minutes of this really horrible thing yeah uh, that involves excel spreadsheets or whatever and it's like you open excel and you start and there's a such a big setup cost um in terms of the energy of the brain in terms of just switching into a different thing mm. and then suddenly i'm in excel and it just suddenly feels way easier than it did 10 minutes ago and it's like yeah give me all the receipts i'll do all of it you know <laughs> so yeah mo momentum is a really important thing i'm fascinated about it. There's, there's loads of great stuff in the deep workbook about uh, like creating the environment for you to succeed, isn't there? About uh, getting in the right environment. I think they even talked about uh, J.K. Rowling booking the Glen Eagle suite to finish her book because she needed somewhere away from a traditional environment. So, yeah, we're all bad at managing our own yeah. time and willpower, I think. And it's the idea that if you've paid for the Glen Eagle suite, then you better make it, exactly. <laughs> make it worth your while, right? Like, yeah. Cost you that much money. Exactly. There's a thing I saw years ago, which was. Uh, uh, you set yourself a task and then you have to report back whether you completed it or not. And if you didn't complete it, you've already given your credit card details and it donates money to a person I remember that, yeah. that you really hate. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I didn't do this thing. And now the consequence is Donald Trump's election campaign has received a new donation. <laughs> well, actually, I saw one guy years ago. He, I think he scheduled a tweet to go out every morning at a certain time. So if he didn't get up in time to, to remove it, <laughs> he's a lazy so-and-so. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh there you go um everything you need to have focus and productivity um so we come to an end um thank you very much graham Cheers, for, for sharing your time and your knowledge and, and it's always good to chat um before we leave uh, a quick um shameless promotion bit of the bit of the show uh, if people want to find out more about your staff or if you have anything that you'd like to direct people to um yeah, please tell us, Graham. Yeah, so my company is called Think Productive. Um, so we do workshops for uh, yeah some of the the leaders and most in, leading and most interesting companies in the world on productivity, getting inboxes to zero, all that sort of stuff. We do have a set of resources, particularly around working from home. Um, so if you just go to thinkproductive.com forward slash wfh for working from home, um, just loads of free resources you can download. Um, there's also, I think, the recording of one of our first webinars on working from home specifically. So um, thinkproductive.com forward slash WFH. Um, I also do a podcast called Beyond Busy, 
Um, so go and subscribe to that. There's um, you can actually Google the previous episode with Lawrence and Carlos. We were well. there. <laughs> um, and I've also just recently started um, a weekly mailing list. Um, so if you just go to GrahamOlcott.com, um, I've launched this thing called Rev Up for the Week. Uh, the idea is just every Sunday night, um, some positive and interesting thoughts into your uh, inbox for the week ahead. Um, so yeah, it, there's there's a form on the homepage of the website at GrahamOlcott.com if you want to sign up for that. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, for those of you who, who'd love to connect with each other and get that energy and sense of uh, not feeling alone, um, we next week we have our regular monthly Ideas Cafe. We used to do these live uh, in, in Brighton, but now uh, due to what's happening, we are doing them online. And so there's a, a Zoom call that we, uh, we host, and it's a great t- place to meet network connect with people just feel learn from about new things but ultimately be able to share your knowledge and and share a space with other people and all from the comfort of your laptop um it starts at 8 45 a.m uk time and we usually finish around about 10 30 uh if you have a question or a challenge it's also a great place to get some really powerful free advice so i hope to see you there that's next thursday at 8 45 uh, and the other thing i wanted to share is that we are we just finished our 2020 vision program um leanne who, who's on the call was part of that it was an amazing experience particularly given the the challenges we had with the pandemic but if you're a uh, solopreneur or a, a, a solo founder who wants to magnify the impact of their work uh, and wants to have the support of other people on that journey. Uh, We're going to offer a space for you to do that journey in over six months uh, with myself, Lawrence, and our good friend, Lana. And we're going to use our experience of hosting spaces and also using technology to to build community and to also help uh, essentially get more clarity about the work that you want to do, very much about what Graham was talking about today this what is that clear intention for what you want to do so um if you if that's of interest we'll put a quick link into the chat as well is there anything else lawrence that you'd like to share um just to say we didn't pay La- uh, leanne to post that <laughs> <laughs> i mean life-changing. that's a pretty good uh no, it's been amazing it's been um yeah i I wouldn't say I have my doubts about doing a solely online program because we launched it before COVID. But yeah, it's been amazing. 20 amazing people from all around the world. Yeah, it's been incredible. So yeah, looking forward to doing it again later in the year. And we wouldn't have been able to do it if it was if summer camp wasn't cancelled. So in some ways, <laughs> yeah, every cloud has a silver lining. Exactly. Space. Oh, was it Parkinson's law? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Brilliant. Thank you very much, everyone. Uh, cheers, Graham. Thanks. Um, yeah, you take care. Have a great rest of the day and have a lovely, spacious and productive weekend. And the sea mist is still there if anyone's interested. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Lawrence and Carlos for having me. That was really good fun. And thanks also to Carlos for following up and providing me servicing me with video that I could use to make this audio and make it into a podcast. So thanks, Carlos, for your help with that. Uh, Thanks also to Mark Steblin, my producer on the show, and Podient, my podcast platform. And also to our sponsors, Think Productive. If you're interested in productivity workshops, help through COVID, help out of COVID, uh, thinkproductive.com. And we have offices around the world that can help you 
couple of things I want to say real quick before we finish. Um, first is just um, a couple of recommendations of things that you might want to check out on iPlayer and Netflix. So um, if you're in the UK or have access to iPlayer somehow, uh, then go check out I May Destroy You. So I had about three or four people say, you need to go and watch this thing. And um, I don't usually watch a lot of drama. And oh my God, I was hooked. It's so, so good. Uh, Michaela Cole, just what an incredible writer and um, feels like this year's Fleabag in a way. Just in, uh, there's definitely some kind of stylistic uh, similarities with the two protagonists and the fact that it's kind of written by the main actor as well. Um, It's pretty disturbing so a lot of it is to do with rape and consent and um there's uh, a lot of drugs in it and various other things like that um so not one to watch with your kids uh but just absolutely just superb so check out i may destroy you i've also been watching the a word which um yeah so those of you don't know i've got a son who's autistic and the a word is a, a whole show about um the parents of an autistic son and how they deal with that diagnosis and then how the wider uh, little community around the little boy um, sort of deals with his autism. So yeah, really close to home. Um, The first two series I really loved and there were so many bits in there that just felt very well observed. The only thing that is lacking is an episode just with someone just sat at a table doing paperwork (laughs) because there's a lot of paperwork. Uh, I feel like paperwork is not reflected um, in the episodes enough um, and um, it, you know they need to find a way to make that watchable and interesting <laughs> anyway um, so yeah the A word check it out and I may destroy you and um, I've not been watching a lot of Netflix recently but I did watch The Last Dance which I know everyone's seen by now um, very fascinated by Michael Jordan's just his winning mentality like just that relentless drive to win is absolutely fascinating and something that I think very few people have um you know just to keep winning and keep winning and keep winning um the star of the show for me though is definitely uh Dennis Rodman like just the way he explains how him being naughty and just flying off to Las Vegas to have a three-day party when he should be training is just the natural order of things in the world. <laughs> it's just like, it's just the funniest thing. Just such a funny dude. Um, so yeah, go check out those. Uh, oh, and the Miles Davis thing, the Miles Davis uh, biopic, uh, which is on iPlayer. Um, it's a while since I've watched it, but if you haven't seen that, it's just beautiful and amazing. And uh, I'm a big Miles Davis fan, as uh, I've probably... Uh, talked about at some point on here before but if uh, even if you're not just seeing his influence across music for such a long time and just how he changed and developed throughout throughout his life uh, just an amazing story so go check those out Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is just that we are looking we've had a really good year with the podcast in terms of uh, just watching the numbers really grow um, turns out when you spend time actually telling people that you have a podcast, people tune into it. Who'd have thunk it, eh? It's only taken me three years to figure that out. Uh, I'm just so bad with marketing. 
just it really it sort of makes me feel a bit icky so I don't do very much of it but I've been trying this year to to really take that stuff much more seriously and yeah it seems to be working so uh, thank you if you're tuning in and you're fairly new to the podcast and you have a huge back catalogue of podcasts to go check out when you start commuting again um, but if you would like to let us know what you'd like me to do with this platform um, I'd love to hear your thoughts just graham at thinkproductive.co.uk on the email so who would you like on as guests what more would you like to see focused on through the podcast topics you'd like me to cover um other suggestions really for things that you think i could do i mean we've kept pretty much to a fairly straight interview format it's kind of weird saying that after this episode which is obviously like a little bit different because it's someone interviewing me pretty much but um you know generally it's me interviewing someone but it doesn't always have to be like that. It could be other things. So if you have suggestions, thoughts about um, other things you'd like me to cover with Beyond Busy, let me know. Graham at thinkproductive.co.uk. Also at Graham Alcott on Instagram if you want to add me on there. And I do check DMs on there. And at Graham Alcott on Twitter. And I don't check DMs on Twitter. So don't expect to reply if you email me there. Uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning, if you're not on my mailing list, just grahamalcott.com. And you can fill in the little form on there and be part of that. So no excuse not to contact me. I'm not a complete recluse. Um, some people I know uh, throw that accusation at me a little bit. Um, but yeah, you can contact me and I'd love to hear your thoughts on Beyond Busy. Uh, I had some really good suggestions, actually, I should say, for guests, uh, particularly after I put a blog post out about Black Lives Matter and I said I've been a bit slack on diversity in my podcast guests and I want to elevate some more black voices over the next few months and uh, had some really good suggestions along uh, that line as well and uh, people recommending colleagues and people they knew um, who were just really interesting black voices got some of those in the diary ready to go so um, watch this space on that one but um, yeah just in general just let me know what you want from from Beyond Busy uh, guess wise topics wise all that sort of stuff just always happy to uh, hear your thoughts as we head into the summer um hope you're well i hope you are surviving this fuzzy middle ground world that we live in where we're not quite sure what we're allowed to do or not but stay well we'll be back in two weeks time with with another episode so until then take care and bye for now